Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 223 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features analysis, news, and interviews around the trends and best practices about wealth management technology. We love talking about wealth management technology here. And my guest on this episode is Vinay Nair, the founder and CEO of Tiffin. A quick background on Vinay. Uh, he's got a PhD in financial economics from the Stern School of Business at NYU. Now, Vinay started his career uh, in academia as a finance faculty member at Wharton Business School, but he's also taught at other universities such as MIT and Columbia. Uh, in between there, he launched uh, and managed a quantitative hedge fund. And from that experience, he uh, founded a tech uh, and uh what I also call a TAMP, more of a TAMP, which is called 55IP. And they focused on outsourced tax transition services and direct indexing. 55IP was successfully sold to JP Morgan and it's still operating there today. Now, Tiffin is operates as a collection of fully owned subsidiaries in wealth management and investing. I never really understood how it worked until this, uh, you know, my talking with Vinay before this episode, we did a little bit of prep uh, and during this episode, so I have a much better understanding of how Tiffin works. And to me, it's, I mean, you'll hear in the episode, Vinay doesn't like to call it an incubator or an accelerator, but it seems more like that to me, or more of a, you know, as I said, a collection of these subsidiaries, which they're trying to build up and sell off, which is great for any industry, but specifically wealth management. We don't really have enough of these kind of innovative ideas. And you have to be willing to try new things and maybe fail and pivot. And certainly Tiffin, if you followed the news on some of their um, different subsidiaries, have pivoted quite a bit. It's not a bad thing. You've got to keep trying and seeing what works and then moving on to things, uh, moving away from things that don't work and towards things that do work. So uh, interesting. I'm glad that I got Vinay on the program to learn more about Tiffin and how they're operating. Uh, and you're going to hear all about it right after this. Before we get started, let's talk about tech stacks. Now, at Ezra Group, we've seen tech stacks of hundreds of RIAs. And let me tell you, most of them are loaded down with tech debt. So you shouldn't feel too bad about yours. But let's face it, tech debt is like a giant anchor holding back your business growth. If you want to free your firm for exponential growth, you should run, not walk, to our website, ezragroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, or run an RFP and help you implement new software to take your firm to the next level. You can take advantage of our free consultation offer by going to ezragroup.com. A few quick housekeeping items that we always do before the interview. Uh, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Check out investinothers.org. That's the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. They do a lot of good work in our industry, raising money to donate to charities that are uh, either run by or helped by financial advisors. I'm excited to introduce my next guest on the program. It is Vinay Nair, founder and CEO of Tiffin. Hello, Vinay. Thanks for being here. Hey, Craig. Thank you for having me here. Great to, great to be here. I'm glad you can make it. Uh, where are you calling in from your home and from uh, Boulder? Yes, I'm in Boulder. Uh, perfect time to be here with all the ski season now. I'm jealous. I'm in New Jersey, as everyone knows of New Jersey, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out to uh, 
do some snowboarding in Colorado this season. And we'll see if we can meet on the slope somewhere. Uh, but let's uh, jump into this. I'm really uh, glad you're, you're here. We, 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 you and I have been talking um, a bit offline, um, a lot of AI discussions, and I thought it'd be great to have a podcast about some of the great AI uh, products that Tiffin has uh, been coming out with, and we're going we're gonna to deep dive into two of them. But before we do that, could you give everyone listening uh, a 30-second elevator pitch for Tiffin? Sure. Uh, Tiffin is essentially a AI platform for wealth. Um, the T and I in Tiffin stands for technology and innovation for finance. What we do is apply technology, typically data science, AI, and start new companies, which is innovation bit, all focused on changing wealth outcomes. And um, we look at where people have their money, which is typically a self-directed account or an advised account or a workplace account. And um, we look at what people do with their money and try to change experiences in these accounts, change experiences on what people do with their money. And all our companies effectively try to try to bring innovation to the wealth ecosystem. Um, we've, we've built 12 companies to date, um, 10 still we control and operate under Tiffin, all of which has been done with the backing of several strategic investors, uh, some of whom include JP Morgan, Morningstar, Franklin Templeton, uh, et cetera. So, so think of us really as a, as a center of excellence for applying data science and AI in the wealth and asset management industry. That was a great overview. Um, there's, you have so much going on. It's hard to believe you can keep it all in your head at one time. Uh, 12 companies with two, two exits. That's a great track record that any, any, any other uh, firm would be looking for. Uh, let's dive into two specific areas, um, two different products that are uh, AI-based products. One is called Sage and one is called Helix. Now, Stay, Sage is an AI-powered investment assistant that you're calling a CIO for every client. Can you talk about the the underlying mechanics of, of the AI behind that and how does it work? Absolutely. And Craig, as you know, we started these uh, early this year, we started three companies to apply generative AI to the world of wealth. Sage and Helix fall in that category. Tiffin at Work is the third, which uh, coincidentally we recently announced a partnership with Franklin Templeton on to, to take it to the workplace setting. But I'll focus on the first two as you've, as you've uh, pointed that out. Um, essentially, Sage is a personalized CIO for every client delivered to the advisor. Uh, what happens in many firms where think large enterprises where there's a CIO office and advisors get on a call, get the CIO views. And often the advisor then asks, what does this mean for Craig, my client? Let's say the house view is oil goes up next six months. And the question for the advisor who's going to meet their client is how does it affect my client's investments, portfolio? What is most affected? What should I change, if anything? What happens if I change it and the prediction is not true? Um, there might be many other questions the client may have that the advisor needs to answer. So this sage is now... Uh, AI assistant for the advisor, which can 
24-7 personalized real-time answer to these questions. So it's the bridge between a very centralized, call it investment view or a macro view or a market view uh, from the house to a very client-specific implication delivered to the advisor. I think it's an interesting concept, and it's certainly the next step if you think about um, how most firms have a, a centralized CIO, uh, or at least someone who's making the choices of investments. And if you want to ask them why they did something, you've got to send them an email, have a meeting with them. As you mentioned, this the AI, the chatbot uh, for Sage, is always on. But how does the AI actually work that in order to, to deliver this information to the advisors? What are you training it on? Yeah, so uh, let's take both AIs together and then we can talk about it collectively. Mm -hmm. So Elix is an AI assistant for alts and private markets. Uh, and Sage is really focused on taking uh, a CIO view across public markets. Uh, we are building Sage with JP Morgan Private Bank as our first client. So it's getting built with both JPM's data applied for the private bank clients. Helix, we are building it in collaboration with Hamilton Lane. And uh, as, as your listeners might know, Hamilton Lane is the largest allocator to all publicly listed. But more importantly, over 30 years, they have built and digitized a pretty phenomenal data set around private markets. So we have exclusive access to the data set to train and build an AI assistant around private markets and alts. In both these cases, the AI assistant uh, utilizes multiple components to build it. One is data, as we spoke about JPM, Hamilton Lane data, but there's also third-party data that is open, open to vendor data, if you will. In addition to that, there is also what we like to call an ontology or really a taxonomy or a, or a set of interrelated taxonomies, um, which allows application of LLMs, think OpenAI, Llama2, any sort of foundational LLM within the context of a particular vertical. Uh, we can talk more about how we've built it, what, what we have an edge on it. Uh, one of our companies got a patent on, on the ontology, which is Magnify, when it first launched an AI assistant. Uh, so how this is all built is a combination of training plus data lake creation plus an ontology guardrail. And then all of that is used to understand intent when users ask a question. And once you understand the intent, from there on it goes and services that intent with various modules. Some of these modules may or may not be AI. For example, you might ask your assistant, what is two plus two? You don't need an AI module to answer what two plus two is, but you need to understand that it's arithmetic and transfer it to an arithmetic module, if you will. So it's a combination of many modules, some of which are not AI, all talking to a translation layer, which is AI, interacting with real life questions people need answered. You mentioned uh, patterns of patterns on ontology. Can you explain that to people who are listening? So the the the, the generic definition of ontology is 
you know, the, the nature of being is a metaphysical term, but we're using the computer science term ontology, meaning representations, you know, formal namings and categories and such, right? So how does that, how does that work in, in the AI uh, context? Yeah, so when we built Magnify, which is one of our, uh, which is an AI assistant for the consumers, uh, and we launched it before OpenAI uh, released GPT last summer, what allowed us to do it was we had created a significant word cloud, for lack of a better word. Uh, when the words all have relationships with each other, the word cloud becomes an ontology, is one way to think about it. And that word cloud was built over many search results and searches people had done on Magnify. So what, what that helped us do was helped understand how financial terms are used, how they interact with each other, and what interrelationships these words have with each other. That improves a lot of the LLM responses because many of these responses are trained on a, on a general data set, not a vertical domain-specific data set. One way to think about this for, I think for, for, for folks listening is, if you go back 20 years ago and search came out, um, general search, just was not good enough for a firm like Amazon. You would go to Amazon and type in blue dress shirt, mm. and often you would get a blue dress, not a dress shirt. Mm. Um, and so Amazon built a very vertical e-commerce paid search, which, which outperformed Google's e-commerce search at that time. So similarly, there's many, many examples of verticalization in SaaS, and think of this as verticalization in AI which helps you build higher quality um, and compliance sometimes in, in types of areas that you and I are in. That is a term that most people may not have heard as well, verticalization of AI, right? So you're <laughs> taking this and making this um, an AI that's trained in public markets and private markets. So it understands what it's doing, it's um, what is generating uh, content it's generating with the not also the the basic knowledge that 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 the uh, you said the Lama two um, LLM is using. So that is very generic. Then you, you're 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 customizing it here. So when you're so that leads me to the next question, which is how does this platform that's verticalized in AI, and customized, uh, with this set of interrelated taxonomies, how does it fit into the advisor's toolkit and the interfaces that they work with? Both these AI systems we are taking out to the market are essentially APIs. It, it, our view is that um, advisors, wherever they are, they are uh, at, whichever workstation platform that they're using, these AI assistants should just sit there. Um, it's no different from an old school bot, if you will. So what chatbots did was robotic automation. They did something very specific, something very repetitive, and they, they helped answer those things. What AI assistants are doing is more, they're mimicking intelligence. It's uh, they're mimicking how we make decisions, not exactly the outcome and the decision. But as far as delivery goes, it should sit in a, in a workplace platform or workstation as a simple API and then advisors should be able to ask questions and get answers around it. So, which is, which is how we are delivering this as well. 
So if I can paraphrase what you're saying is Sage will be integrated into the whatever platforms the advisors are using and will, it will appear as a, a native uh, tool inside of what they're already doing. For, that's right. For enterprise clients, that's the case. For RIAs, right now, they just go to a website and they can log in and use Sage. But if you're a JP Morgan advisor, it'll be within the platform that they currently use or any such enterprise uh, platform. When the AI, so you're talking about these, these, uh, this, this chatbot built in that an advisor can log in and say, "Hey, my client, um, you, you, we put my client into this. You know, how do I explain it to them?" Um, if you're exactly. asking questions like that, or if the, the market has changed, how does this 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 change in the market impact our portfolios? What kind exactly. of information are they going to getting back? Is it just text? Is it is it also graphs and charts? Is it going to be video, audio? Will, will it be multimedia? What, what are we going to be getting back here as an advisor? It's not multimodal right now in the sense of uh, audio and video, but it does cover text, arithmetic, quantitative computations, charts, graphs, etc. So anything that is still screen-based uh, across different forms. Anything screen-based, okay. Yeah. Interesting. On your website, uh, it says that there's a, that a Sage will generate actionable insights. Can you give me some examples of success stories or data that shows the effectiveness, concrete outcomes from Sage? Yeah, so one of our foundational philosophies and everything that we have built is combining intelligence with uh, uh, actionability, combine, combining personalized intelligence with immediate actionability. That's how, as, as you, you know, Craig 55 IP was a firm that I founded, mm -hmm. and that was the foundation of it, which is uh, actionable intelligence. Uh, so what does actionable mean here? So, and advisors can, can go through several questions as we discussed, and let's say comes to the conclusion that this particular position um, is the one that gives, that creates the most exposure to oil dropping in the next six months for my client. And the advisor could say, give me a substitute position uh, and then say, swap it out. That swap it out is the actionability. Uh, so the AI assistant, in the case of the enterprise clients we're working with, it'll be linked to the backend execution side and it will execute that trade. That's actionability. Uh, another example of actionability could simply be that the advisor might want uh, uh, a report generated for the client uh, after all the back and forth that the advisor does with the co-pilot. Uh, and finally, the action might be, you write me one page to explain all this using simple words such as income and growth for my client, mm -hmm. uh, that's actionability. But it's something which is either deliverable to the client or the prospect, uh, or something that actually changes the portfolio uh, then and there. That is gonna be something that will be revolutionary. I mean, is that working now? Are you Is, is Sage actually connected to a backend system and the advisor can type in, 
exactly what you said, swap it out and it's going back and making trades? Is, it, is, it, is uh, your first client, JP Morgan Private Bank, allowing that? Yeah, so it's getting built at JPM with that intent. Uh, as, as you can imagine, all the integrations needed are take time, but that's what's happening there right now. We know we can do it because, again, Magnify, which was our starting experiment with AI assistance, can already do it. You can go as an individual to Magnify and execute. Uh, execute investments, trades uh, at Magnify. That's a little different. That's a that's a, an individual executing trades on his own. If you're talking about an advisor taking advice from the AI, what does compliance say to that? How do you deal with compliance issues? Who's making the trade here? Is it the AI making the trade or is it the advisor making the trade? It's a great question. So this is why uh, the AI assistant can only offer suggestions from a centralized system, which is enterprise approved list or um, the CIO's views. So in other words, uh, the AI is not coming up with the decision. It's a decision support system mm. for, the, for the advisor. The AI is not coming up with the, with the investment to make. It's translating the CIO's views to the advisor with a client-specific implication. Almost think of this as, um, as industry has scaled, it has to be centralized. Think model portfolios is a great example of something that is more and more centralized and advisors use model portfolios to make it client-specific. Mm -hmm. But how do you build something personal for each client with a centralized process? And the AI assistants play that gap, that bridge. Mm -hmm. So it's not AI assistant is making the decision, but it's really communicating and customizing the decision with guardrails. Would it also block it if, for example, there was a restriction on that? Hey, there's a do not yes. sell on this. It, it would link into that as well. Say, hey, we you asked me to swap this out. Uh, it could have, it would have said, hey, you can't do it with this client because they don't want you to sell that. Correct. I think there's a, it, it, for each client, the holdings, the restricted lists. Uh, our, our inputs mm -hmm. into what suggestions to make, uh, what's allowed, if you will. It seems like it would be very, very useful for an, you know, an advisor as portfolio manager who wants to build his own portfolios, but take advice from what the CIO is saying and say, if I built this portfolio, could you talk to the AI that way? Here's a portfolio I like. Does this align with what our company is is, is talking about for this kind of person. No, that's, that's, uh, it, it doesn't do that today. It's a great idea, but you're right. I think that it works well for obviously advisors who want to act as PMs or active uh, tweakers of model portfolios mm -hmm. or investments. Um, I think it also works well for advisors who get asked by clients that are investment savvy sometimes, and they don't, they don't know how to answer it quickly. So this helps them get smarter, look smarter in front of clients who might be asking simple questions about, hey, mm -hmm. things are going on in Middle East. Um, yeah. And what what is your view on oil? This way, the, the advisor can say, what is our house view on oil? Or it can also say, what is the market's view on oil? Or specifically, mm -hmm. what is BlackRock's view on oil, et cetera? Yeah. 
So Could it can it help them just converse more easily about some esoteric topics and investments. One thing I think will be interesting is if it linked into, um, we, I mean, many years ago when I was working at a, a vendor, a, a market data vendor, as a, a, we were doing a consulting project, they built a system that would do secondary investment ideas. So it had a database of every, by, by going through 10Ks and other data documents, it would say, here's a public traded company, here's all their vendors, here's all their suppliers, here's all their clients, here's all their partners. And it would have mm -hmm. that list if any of them were publicly traded. Uh, and then you could say, well, if this stock is up sharply today, their their suppliers might be up, their vendors might be up, their part, their clients might go up as well. Can that be that would be interesting if I could ask the AI, hey, you know, I've had a big move on Microsoft today. Who's Microsoft's biggest vendors? Yeah, I actually I, I'm familiar with that work um, from my from my academic days. And I think it's a great piece of work, the economic linkages um, yeah. between suppliers, vendors. But that's not the intent for Sage because we are trying to walk this line between not being um, the investment, uh, doing investment research outside what the CIO's office already does. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, if JPM's uh, investment team has several views, I think Sage is not designed to come up with views outside of that. Gotcha. Okay. Now, if they feed us, here are the economic linkages. Mm -hmm. Sure, we can surface it. Right. Uh, but not not the other way around. We're always talking about the future, Vinay. I'll tell you, there's always some there's always something that we're on the corner that, that we can build. And I see the clock on the wall. I know you have a, a hard stop. Um, where can people find out more information about Tiffin? Uh, the easiest is to head to tiffin.com. You'll see all our holdings, all our subsidiaries, and then depending on um, which one is most interesting, they can click in there. Sage and Helix are both there, both awesome. new companies. So the information there is light, but that's what it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, Vinay, thanks so much for being here. I know you're super busy. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Craig again. So here are my top three or four takeaways from this episode. Now, Tiffin um, applies technology like AI to build new companies, and they're looking to improve wealth outcomes, which is a noble cause. According to Vinay, they built 12 companies focusing on changing experiences around uh, things like self-directed investing, advised investing, and workplace accounts. Tiffin is backed by strategic investors like JP Morgan, Morningstar, and Franklin Templeton. We talked about two of their products. First one was called Sage, which is an AI assistant that acts as a personalized CIO for advisors and clients. Uh, built uh, JP Morgan's first client there using their data for their private bank clients. And it can ask uh, answer specific client questions, basically 24 seven, of course, based on centralized investment views. And their goal is to bridge the gap between macro views and specific implications. Second product we spoke about is called Helix, also an AI assistant, but in the alternative and private market space. And their, uh, their partner and first client is Hamilton Lane. Uh, the AI that Tiffin is using is a combination of training data, uh, a data lake, and ontology to understand user intent and service requests. Now, Sage, both Sage and Helix will integrate into advisor platforms via APIs which we think is uh, the best way to do things. And we're, we're in, very interested to see how those tools 
integrate whether they're going to be um, going directly to the clients and clients are going to be building out tools uh, or interfaces or uh, advisor dashboards or things, or if other vendors are going to be integrating with Sage and Helix into their portfolio management platforms. So it's a very interesting, some technology here, very interesting where we're going to be going with this and what the eventual outcomes will be. But we're going to be here for you uh, as those things progress. Well, you've made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroup.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, updates, information. You won't be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and talk to you all again next time.